You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. So I tell them I'm a pro jack. And who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself. The 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald. Striking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. You know, Denzel Washington gets credit for being maybe like the coolest guy in Hollywood, but it's a different kind of cool. I think Bill Murray is massively underrated. I think if you're looking for like an, an older gentleman cool, like my age-ish, you know, like an adult, you're, you're already grown up, Denzel is the key. If you're like high school age... I think you need to be shooting for Bill Murray. I think if you're young enough or you're still kind of awkward, you haven't figured out your personality yet, nobody likes you, the ladies look at you with disgust because you're, you know, you, shoot for Bill Murray, man. You won't go wrong with it. If you can master Bill Murray, it's over. Don't doubt me on that. I guarantee you, if you're 17, 18 years old, and you go strutting around this year like Bill Murray and people still don't like you, and all the girls in the school aren't fighting over you, you're either lying, you're a terrible actor, or you're a leper. I don't, I don't know what, what else to say. If you can pull off Meatballs, Bill Murray. If you can pull off Ghostbusters, Bill Murray. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, he massively underrated. I would say equal to Denzel, but in a different way. Apparently that's where I'm at in my life, mentoring the younger generation. And by the way, I think you guys need it. Because us up here, we, we caught a bad rap. The millennial group, but you guys, oh my goodness. The reports we're getting from the younger generation, it's not good, man. You guys need to step it up. Gotta quit blaming other people. Don't be blaming your parents. Don't be blaming the girls in your school. It's your fault, because you're not Bill Murray. That's your, it, that's your bad. You gotta step it. But you know what happens when you fill that void, and you're the only Bill Murray in school? Pull. The older generation, half the school was like that. Actually, I had to try. You do something after school that doesn't involve, like, playing video games, and if you can do that and manage to do, like, three push-ups, oh, boy, life is going to come easy for you. I'm just saying. And again, as you get older, shoot for Denzel. Not not man-on-fire Denzel. We're not shooting for alcoholic, uh, you know, mass murderer or anything. But uh, in training day, that might be... I don't know if that's attainable. If you can pull off training day, Denzel, oh, my goodness, just... I'm not worried. Just take my podcast. I don't even. You, I don't even deserve it. It's yours. You can have it. Maybe uh, American Gangster-ish. You know. I don't know. Just kind of shooting for. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a long time. Please stay out of my way. That's as you get older. That's just kind of the thing. I've learned. I don't. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm 60 and have it all figured out. I'm just saying. That's those are sort of general goals that I, I've kind of laid out. Ladies, I got nothing for you. I don't know. For the four of you that listen. I'm sorry, I got nothing. But at least I'm trying to help you, help build a better world for you filled with Bill Murray's and Denzel Washington. So you can thank me for that. Plus, if I try to help you, I get labeled a mansplainer, whatever that means. And then, oh boy, that's a, that's a big one in the list of sins in this new religion of stupidity that we live in today. Anyways, what are we talking about? There is a decent amount of news in the uh, 
NFL arena, so we should probably rip through that. Um, there is a player that became available that I haven't actually seen Packers Twitter ask about, but I want to bring it up, maybe just kind of get out in front of it. And I only put it that way because not, not necessarily because I'm against it, just because it, it seems fairly obvious that um, Brian Gutekunst really isn't interested. Now, it's, it's not to say it's impossible. Again, he's in on everybody. It's just a matter of, you know, he's just kind of bargain hunting. It's kind of like when I used to resell things. It really doesn't matter what the item is. It's just a matter of, can I sell it for more than I bought it for? It doesn't matter if it's a board game or a pair of boots. That's kind of what Brian Gutekunst is doing. Can I get a player for less than he's worth and put him on my roster? Because that's that's ultimately a GM's job. Because, as I've talked about in the past, the salary cap is insufficient to field an entire dominant team. It doesn't work. The money doesn't play out. Right, I've, I've gone just like a, a week or two ago, we looked at the, the, the salaries of the players and how most of the players aren't even making a million dollars. It's, it's very top-heavy. There's, there's two or three or four, maybe, you know, some of these teams, I think like the Vikings have like six or seven or eight players over 10 million, which is why the, the cap is in trouble. Generally, you're looking at three, four, five maybe guys that are over that $10 million mark, and then you got just a handful over the $5 million, then just one or two in the, you know. But the, the, the point is, you don't have enough money to pay everybody. You, you have enough money to pay almost nobody. So your job is to find out how to underpay almost your entire roster. That's, that is your job. And you're only given leeway to give big paychecks to like five guys on your entire team. Everybody else has to be underpaid, otherwise you can't field a team. So that's that's kind of where he's at right now. It's not a matter of we urgently need to find a new wide receiver. It's just a matter of I wonder if there's a bargain out there because that's how you got to build a roster in the NFL, and I'll, I'll never turn down a bargain. That's also why the draft is so incredibly important, being able to bring in guys that can play at that giant contract level that we don't have to pay a lot of money because of the structure of their original contracts. But anyways, we're... Uh, just following every rabbit that comes across the basement floor here. Why don't we start off with, well, Aaron Rodgers did an interview. Uh, we could start there because I don't think anything really interesting was said. As usual, the same sort of generic questions. And it's not even so much the questioner's fault. I know people got trashed for uh, asking about him being on a new team again, which I think is fair. He's answered the question. We, we've got to move on from it. All right, we want headlines, and we want to be able to write articles that we can sell as clickbaity and make a bunch of money and whatever. But, you know, he's answered the question, so come on. But beyond that, the biggest problem with these interviews, largely, is that there's no information. Right? The, the, the problem with doing a sit-down with people who just showed up to Green Bay who have hardly done anything is, what, what do you want to know? They don't have any new information since the last time you talked to them. Other than, like, hey, how's this whole quarantine thing working out? And the answer to that question kind of is, just, is I don't know, right? I mean, they could give you specific insights in terms of what they're doing, maybe. But it, I don't know. It just it, it makes it hard to listen to when it's a bunch of questions and then the quarterback's just kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know, whatever. And then we make big deals out of no big, you know, Kenny Clark did an interview. He, he mentioned Kingsley Kiki, and now, of course, he's going to be the next big thing. And it's, it's just frustrating because, you know, been doing this podcast I think this is year four now and so I've been talking about these press conferences and paying attention to them and listening to them and you hear this constantly I mean it's 
the GM and the head coach and the players, they highlight somebody. You know, Aaron Rodgers, he highlights somebody, and that's like the biggest thing. We got to make a big deal out of it. It has no impact on anything. No impact whatsoever. It doesn't mean anything in regards to who's going to be a good pl- who's going to be a good player and who's even going to make the team. Maybe if the coach or the GM highlights somebody because the GM decides who stays and who goes and the coach to a large extent decides who they want to be a part of what. So if Mike Pettin mentions King- Kingsley Kiki, then you have at least a good idea that he's a part of the plan going forward. There's a sl- slim chance he gets cut. Kenny Clark mentions Kingsley Kiki, it doesn't mean anything. Well, he knows what the plans are too. Yeah, maybe. I don't, you know, I don't know. But nobody knows if he's going to be a good football player or not. Now, the only telling thing about that, sort of, is the fact that they didn't mention Montrevious. Montrevious is a year ahead of Kingsley. So it's, you know, sort of telling that it's probably not going to work out with Montrevious. Not that we didn't already know that. Again, there's no real news here. But it is kind of telling because a lot of this, that's the other thing, a lot of this is just flattery. Guys are always going to say positive things about other players. Any chance they can to say something good about about other players, they're going to do it. And so we should take all of it with a grain of salt, right? Aaron Rodgers and and, uh, Matt LaFleur mentioned Equinemius. I've been excited about Equinemius for a long time. I thought he made some massive plays. I thought he was one of the better wide receivers we had two years ago. Some of the catches he made, some of the routes he was running. I've been excited about him since for a while now, basically since he joined the team. I was less excited when we drafted him because... You know, again, how I operate, everybody was excited about him, so I kind of recoiled, right? Because he was supposed to go earlier in the draft, he fell, and for some people in their mind, what the draft community said, that he's a second, third-round guy, when he falls, they still see him as a second-round guy, so we just got a massive steal on this elite player and everyone else has done. No, that's not how that works, right? He got drafted where he got drafted for a reason, and we need to look at him for what he is as far as where he got drafted, but once he got on the field and started playing, that's when I started really liking him. Once I watched his, his tape in college... And started saying, you know what, I think he could thrive as a big slot. That's when I started liking him because I saw a role for him and I saw it whatever and I, I saw it translate in games. So I'm excited about him. And the, the coaches and whatnot and all those guys are excited about him too. But that doesn't mean he's even gonna make the roster. Maybe part of the reason they're bringing him up is because a lot of people forget he's even on the team. Everybody's talking about Lazard and MVS and all these guys, and it's like, let's not forget we're getting EQ back too, and they're all excited about it. But nobody actually knows. There is no new information, so these press conferences are useless. Even if they wanted to tell us everything, which they don't, they give us these packaged answers, there's no information to give. And as starved as we are for information, there is none. Um, so that's that, those are my only thoughts on these player, coach, GM interviews. A lot of stuff is being said. A lot of things are blowing up on Twitter about it. I don't really see anything that stands out as, wow, that's, that's earth-shattering. We haven't really started yet, so nobody knows anything yet. Um, Hunter got added to the COVID list, our long snapper. Immediately that was followed by everybody saying, oh, we got to start trying out new long snappers. You already know what I think about that. There was also, I don't know who it was, and I guess I won't name names anyways. Somebody had talked about how there's an additional, got stuck there, brain got locked up, an additional need to have extra players, right? You, You have to carry an extra kicker. You have to carry an extra long snapper. You have to carry an extra punter. I don't know that I necessarily understand that. I mean, I understand from the standpoint of what if they get it, then you don't have a kicker. Right, but I mean, isn't that true about anything anyways? What happens if your kicker gets hurt? What happens if your kicker gets sick? What do you do? You bring in somebody else, right? It's happened before. I mean, this this is not like it's, it's, not like it's never happened. Same with quarterback. You have to carry three quarterbacks. Eh, maybe. I mean, if, if the logic is there's a, a high risk that 
you know, if one quarterback gets it, the second one is, so we'll need a third. Well, why, why wouldn't the third one get it? Unless, you know, the coaches are talking about possibly having a, a quarantine quarterback, one that stays away from everybody so that he's ready to go just in case. But couldn't you do that with the second quarterback? So I, I guess I don't really understand the, the heightened need. And I understand there's probably a higher, like, you, you've got injury and COVID, plus it could kind of run rampant. But you, you can't, you know, it's kind of like at my job when something breaks and they're like, well, why don't we have a spare for that? So we do you realize we where do you want me to have spares for every single item in this hospital? Do you know how many pieces and parts there are to an X-ray system, on top of every other little component that's in this this lab? How could I possibly have spares for everything? That's a ridiculous thing to even suggest to me. I understand your frustration that there are delays now, but what you're proposing is is not realistic. And same for this. Well, what if COVID comes in and just decimates the defensive line? What do you want a spare defensive line? How many people do you want to have spares? You want to have an additional 53 just locked in a dungeon somewhere? So if the whole team gets it, we just trot out this XFL team to come play? I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of understand it, but it, it's kind of like everything else with COVID, where they say things that kind of seem to make sense, unless you get past the surface-level analysis, and then it kind of just doesn't make any sense anymore. There's always a risk of losing a kicker. That's not something that has never happened before. And beyond that, again, with the long snap, very unlikely that he stays on the COVID list for the next month. There are people that, that test positive for a very long time. There's there's this, I kind of vaguely mentioned it, and I still don't entirely understand it, but there seem to be some people that test positive for a very long time. They test positive apparently long after the point at which they're still able to infect people. I don't know if it's a defect within the the tests or if it has something to do with the antibodies tripping these tests or what it is, but they're continually positive. And that's why some people are testing positive, quote unquote, a second time, right? Because they test positive, they quarantine for two weeks, they feel better. And then, you know, two weeks later, they test again, they're positive. It's like, oh, they caught it again. It's like, no, they still just are, they're still just testing positive. So I don't know what you do about that because they may not necessarily have it. They may not be able to infect other people, but they're still getting positive tests. What are you going to do? You put them out there? Even if you have a pretty good idea that they're not able to transmit the virus anymore. You don't know that. I I don't know. It's just, it's an additional potential issue, but they're not, Hunter, assuming he has it, in a month and a week, when football kicks off in week one, he is not going to have this virus. And again, he is one of the few people that I can say that about. Can't say it about Aaron Rodgers, can't say it about Jordan Love, can't say it about Aaron Jones, can't say it about Devontae. I can pretty comfortably say it about Hunter. Um, but on that note, uh, there was apparently a lot of the agreements or whatever weren't finalized, so they tweaked them. Uh, one of the things that I guess I'm kind of happy about is the fact that this Thursday is officially the cutoff for opt-outs. Now, it's not the official official cutoff, but as far as people just saying, I'm not playing this year generally, that ends this Thursday at, I don't know, 4-ish. That's usually when the NFL cuts things off. But there is an additional... Um, extended deadline for people if things arise, which makes a lot of sense, right? Right now, there's sort of a general opt-out. I, you know, and I don't know exactly how it works. I think you have to have some kind of a reason, but I have a feeling it's somewhat of a flimsy, like you can pretty much come up with any reason you want. And the reason that scares me is because there's there's financial incentive for a lot of people not to play. Devontae Adams stands to lose a lot if he plays and the NFL season ends, which is another issue, but I'll see if I can get through this without jumping on that train. Guys like Devontae, it would make a lot of sense if they can find an excuse to push this back. Now, the the negative of that is, if you want that next contract and you're Devontae, it's better to try to get the contract when you're younger. If you push, get out of my face. 
if you continually push this thing back, and, and instead of being, let's say, 30, you're 31, it's just that much more unlikely you get that next contract. It kind of works to the Packers' advantage, not this year, but in the long run, because we get to keep you one more year, because we're pushing your entire contract back a year. But I think it was uh, Ken Ingles on Twitter was saying something to the effect of, if, if Devontae decides to play this season, and the season gets canceled, he stands to lose like $11 million. And if they cancel the season, you're not getting any of that. It's just gone. You lose. Game over. Which is why a lot of people are, are opting out, and I also don't understand why more people aren't. Maybe it's because they can't find a reason. Because I, I believe, my understanding is, if you just decide I'm not playing, and if you choose to with no reason, you are just forfeiting. I don't know exactly how it breaks down in terms of what money you get, what money you don't get, but it doesn't toll over to next year. You just kind of forfeit the year. No different than any other year if you just decide you're not playing. But anyways, the the risk and the fear of some high-profile player saying, you know what, I'm going to protect my money and move it over, that ends Thursday. Now, the extension comes in for players that are living with high-risk individuals, and to my knowledge, there are no Packers living with high-risk individuals, and presumably they would have opted out by now. So the, the real issue is if somebody becomes high risk, and I'm not exactly sure how exactly that would happen. Obviously, if somebody is diagnosed with a pretty serious illness, we've had Mason Crosby, for example, in the past. His wife has had uh, battles with cancer. Um, if something were to happen there, obviously Mason would would opt out and would go home to care for his wife and his family. So if something like that were to arise, the player could opt out, um, but that only extends to week one. So I, I guess that's kind of kind of the negative, is that it's it's good in theory in terms of of course we want to give them an extension, but it's it's still got a cutoff and that's sort of the original problem, right? In other words, everyone is saying this is a good thing because we should allow people to opt out if there is a serious health risk to someone in their family and that makes sense. But you're saying at, at noon on on kickoff, once you step foot on the field and, and your wife contracts a serious disease, you know, week two. Or, or, you know, at halftime she gets news from the doctor. It's like, well, sorry. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's just, that's life, right? I mean, I, I can't just walk off my job either and continue to collect my year's worth of paycheck. So sacrifices need to be made. But anyways, there's that news. Um, apparently, and, 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 you know, a lot of this is temporary emergent measures. And, and that's what I've been saying. We, we can't hold too strictly to the rules of the past. We've got to be a lot more flexible. And another one of the rules that came forth is that teams can elevate a practice squad player with notice to the league office up until 90 minutes before kickoff because they want to make sure that there's no reason to do the wrong thing and put a player that has COVID on the field. And it, it seems improbable or impossible even that a, a team would do something that's that inconscionable. But even you could even do something to the effect of you know, once there's a cutoff, we're just not testing anymore because I don't want to know. Because if somebody comes up and we can't play them and we can't elevate somebody, so we just want to eliminate that whole thing. All right, if you find out even last minute that somebody has it, you can send them home, quarantine them, bring somebody up from the practice squad. So 90 minutes before a game, you can elevate somebody from the practice squad. So obviously that's another good rule. And I think the only reason it's not last, last minute is because they want to have some kind of notice. They don't want to give, which how much of an unfair advantage is bringing somebody up from the practice squad? Let's not be ridiculous about it. Where you can be like, oh, that guy's cheating. We didn't know he was playing. We didn't get the game plan for that guy. Like, dude, just just Google him. I, what do you, what do you need to know about him? He's a left tackle and he's garbage. Just tell your, you know, tell Khalil to, to key off on the guy. You're you're fine. Quit crying. Put your best pass rusher on him all day. That's your strategy. There you go. I did your scouting for you. Um, and then on top of that, there's just some really strict 
um, real strict things at the league. So Green Bay is one of the teams, and several teams have done this, that have come out and more or less, I think the Bears also have done this, more or less said we have expectations that you, um, you know, do the responsible thing, right? Don't go out partying, don't go out to clubs, don't go out to all these things. But I don't think there's any real enforcement. It's just sort of an expectation, right? Similar to how it's always been, right? You, you, you're always expected to be in by curfew and to do the right thing and to not go out drinking and partying because we need to be playing football, et cetera, et cetera. And if you do it, it's obviously frowned upon. But regardless of what the Packers choose to do, the NFL can impose some, uh, sounds like some pretty hefty fines and whatnot. And on top of that, it's not just the players. Um, coaches, medical staff, anybody involved with this stuff, if they're going out doing whatever would be deemed reckless, they can have some some discipline. They can, you know, obviously you're not going to find, you know, 500000 to the ball boy, but they've got in here, for example, the club may impose a maximum fine of an amount equal to one week's salary, which kind of makes more sense, right? It's obviously going to be a lot more for Aaron Rodgers than it would be for, uh, you know, the water boy. I don't even think they have a water boy, I mean, do they? They probably have a water guy that fills up the cup. No, they still have people that run out to the huddle and stuff. Uh, it says, equal to one week's salary and or suspension without pay, not to exceed four weeks for conduct detrimental to the club for engaging in the high-risk COVID-19 conduct set forth below. No written warning will be issued to the player for a first offense in these categories. Number one, attending an indoor nightclub unless player is wearing PPE and there's no more than 10 people in the club. Wow, would that be a party. You got eight guys with masks and face shields just tearing it up. Number two, attending an indoor bar other than to pick up food, unless player is wearing PPE and there's no more than 10 people in the bar. For clarity, a bar does not include an establishment that offers food services and which a player attends primarily for food services, even if the establishment also includes a full-service bar. So, in other words, just don't sit at a bar. Just sit at a table and order drinks and food. Seems fairly straightforward to me. Number three, house gatherings for more than 15 people without the player and all guests wearing masks or PPE where social distancing for more than 10 people is impossible, which is any house gathering ever. There's never been a house gathering, nor would there be, nor should there be, in which everybody has to stay six feet apart and wear masks. If you want to invite me to that, and I'm talking to any family members that might be listening, please don't invite me. I'm not coming. Well, tell me what food's going to be there. And I'll let you know, but, but, I mean, come on. I'm not exactly a, a super huggy person to begin with, but I'm not sitting six feet apart from everybody. I'll tell you, well, although, if I get there early and get the couch, I get the whole couch, and I get the, I'll just lay on the couch, like, sorry, can you move your feet? Nope, I can't. Sorry, rules. Laws, remember? Because I would be literally murdering people if you sat by me, according to, uh, you know, science or whatever. Number four. Attending an indoor music concert entertainment event. Is outdoor really better? So you're telling me I can go to an outdoor concert. What does it matter if it's indoor or outdoor? A concert is an event where a bunch of people gather close to each other. It's kind of the same, I, you know, I was listening to, I was talking to somebody yesterday talking about, you know, I don't think people should be allowed to have church or whatever, but if you can do it outside, that's fine. I mean, I guess if you're outside and you can spread out, but just outside in general, what what is, is does the ozone layer just suck? viruses straight up out of your mouth so it doesn't project forward it just sucks up into the sun and burns up i mean you're still standing next to each other right it seems like a mat why wouldn't you just say no attending music concert entertainment events why do you have to put indoor out there why, why or indoor in the thing that doesn't make any sense to me 
Not saying I want to take away outdoor festivals from people, but I feel like they will survive if they focus on football during the football season and not be like, hey, we got a day off. You want to go to that Melissa Etheridge concert? And Jair's like, yeah, dude. I don't know. Seems weird to me. Number five, attending a professional sporting event. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait. Hold on. Other than applicable NFL games or events. Unless the player is seated in a separated seating section, I'm sorry, that's hilarious, such as a suite or owner's box, is wearing PPE, and there are no more than 10 people in that separate seating section. So you can't go to a sporting event unless, you know, you're you're playing in it, in which case we require you to be there. But if you're not playing, then you can't be there, unless you go in a box with a face shield by yourself. No food. Don't touch anything. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's a little ridiculous. Right, you, you can't go to a sporting event except the ones you're playing in, and you can go to an outdoor concert. Okie doke. Number six, attending an event that is prohibited by state and local regulation, executive order, or law implemented due to COVID-19. So you have to follow the laws in your area, which seems relatively straightforward, but it also can be complicated because obviously they're traveling to different states, and different states have different regulations. And so it's going to be very important for the team to understand what those rules are in that state and communicate that very clearly to the players. Of course, all this can be cleared up by, can you guys please just stay in your hotel room? I mean, I I, again, I get it. You're young and you're rich and all that stuff. But, dude, just bring your Xbox or whatever it is you play with you to your hotel room. You and the guys get together, play some games, right? Order in some food. It sounds like an awesome life to me. Maybe it's just because I'm boring. I don't want to go anywhere anyway. Like I, especially if I got to be up early, we got to work out, we got to train. I don't want to go out to a concert, dude. I'm getting Chinese food and I'm watching movies. And I mean, Jamal, if you want to come hang out, that's cool. But I mean, otherwise, I'm I'm good. Like curfew, I don't I don't. There's no curfew. It's just whenever training is done, I come straight to my room and I'm not leaving. Not because I'm scared of a virus. It's just that just sounds like the 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 best possible, most awesome thing to possibly do. That's that's why. Um, the the one thing I wanted to, to mention, when you look at the fact of how many players stand to lose how much money, once the exemptions are done, once the opt-outs are done, the chance of the NFL shutting down becomes so small. And, and the reason is, it's not just the NFL that's losing out on money. The players are the players and the players' union and the owners and the, the Roger Goodell, everybody is going to be so... 100,000% violently against the idea of shutting down the season, it's going to be ridiculous. They would rather, Devontae Adams would rather be the only guy out there on the field playing against three Detroit Lions because that's all that's left because everybody else is quarantined than shut down the season and lose $11 million. Really think about that. It's not everybody is going to lose ridiculous amounts of money. David Bakhtiari, he's going to lose massive amounts of money. In other words, if I get the virus, just set me to the side. If half the team gets the virus, set them to the side. Find a way to make it work. If we have to forfeit just as a team, that's fine. Do not shut the season down. In other words, they're going to limp across the finish line one way or another. The players and and everybody, they're, they're not giving up the TV contracts. They're not giving up the player contracts. No matter what, unless the government shuts down the NFL, I don't see any way in which the NFL shuts down. So, I mean, really think about that. For, for those of you, and it's a big contingent of people saying there won't be an NFL season, explain to me how that happens. Explain to me in what universe owners are giving up 
tens of millions of dollars in revenue, all the people that work under them, all the people that work the stadiums, all these people are going to lose their jobs. The players are going to lose, I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in player revenue. The NFLPA, which represents the players, is never going to allow that to happen. And the owners don't want it to happen. And the NFL league office doesn't want that to happen. Everybody wants this season to happen. And again, once we cross that threshold and there's no backing out anymore, there's no way, there's no way that they put out an official stamp saying we're shutting it down. Never. It doesn't make any sense. Again, that's not to say that there's going to be a season in terms of like, you know, there, there might be some drastic things and, and up to and including, again, teams having to fork it. Games getting delayed, right? We, I mean, we've had that before with weather and stuff where a, a game just gets pushed back and, and each of these teams kind of had that as their bye week and then they played later in the season instead of in lieu of their bye weeks. There might be some drastic things, but the official declaration from Roger Goodell that we're putting an end to this and we can no longer play football is is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous to me. And it wasn't until I, I heard and, and really thought about the fact that it, it should, everybody is in unison. Everybody. The players, the players' union, the owners, the coaches, the league office, every single person is violently defending the league from shutting down. What kind of a league we'll have, I don't know, but it, it's not getting shut down. But anyways, i got to take a quick break because we're running out of time, and then we'll jump back in with a couple other things here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So one of the guys that was recently released is Mr. Quincy Enunwa. Um, I wanted to highlight him 
because although he, if we just look at basic uh, PFF grades, he's not a super dominant football player, I could possibly see him as a decent replacement that fits what Brian Gutekunst likes, right? If we're looking for a cheap option to compete just sort of on an Alan Lazard, Devin Funches type level, I don't know that he's necessarily there. And Nunwa could be an, a decent enough option. Um, of the three years in which he actually played a decent amount of football, 2015, 16, and 18, his PFF grades were 53, obviously terrible, 70, and 68. His receiving grades were 50, obviously terrible, 60, uh, 69, and 66. So not great, but not terrible. On top of that, though, uh, at 28 years old, so it would be a, a, I mean, he's going to be dirt cheap. Six foot two, 225 pounds, runs 4.45. So he's really big, and he's pretty fast. 4.45 is fast, especially for a six foot two, 225 pound guy. So he's really big, and he's really fast. And would you like to know what his number one attribute is? It's run blocking. <laughs> he's an incredible run. The last two years, his run blocking grades have been an 83.4 and an 82.6. For whatever reason, Matt LaFleur is obsessed with run-blocking wide receivers. It's a, it's just a part of it, right? When you're a run-first team, everybody on this offense, maybe minus the quarterback, has to learn how to run-block. You just you have to. Tight ends got to be able to block. Wide receivers got to be able to block. Running backs obviously got to be able to block. So he fits the prototype of being a bigger wide receiver. He's fast. He's a great run-blocker. And he's not the worst receiver in the world, right? Again, he'd be in the mix to play alongside Lazar. And it's not all that, I mean, I don't know what he runs anymore. I mean, this was back in 2014, he ran a 4.45. But, you know, assuming he can pass a physical and he's taking care of his body, there's no reason he can't still run that at 28 years old. So I'm not saying I'm doing backflips excited about the prospect of possibly bringing in Quincy Inunua, but I am saying I think it would make a lot of sense from the standpoint of the Packers keeping their options open. They obviously brought in Funches for a reason. They were looking for a player and a certain type of player. I think Quincy Inunua fits that mold. I think he's probably going to be, re, you know, as cheap or, or probably cheaper than Devin Funches was. He fits that mold. I mean, 6'2 isn't necessarily tall. He actually, shockingly, I think outside of Devontae would be like the shortest receiver on the entire roster. But at 225 pounds, he kind of fits the, that sort of A.J. Brown mold. You know, six foot two twenty six. He's just kind of a big body guy, and and you can use him in more creative type ways. You know, he's one of those guys you could use out of the backfield. You know, you put him in motion, and he kind of is is sort of a he's built like a running back. You know, he's bigger and stronger, and and some of these corners have a big hard time just bringing him down. So you get him out in space, you get him in motion, throw him on a little swing path, and he just bulldozes his way for seven yards. You know, Debo Samuel might be another example. He's 5'11", 214. He's a little bit little bit smaller, but proportionally, you know, he's a big dude. So that's an option, and I don't, I don't know if I have time. I think I'm just going to save the other thing for tomorrow because I want to give myself the liberty to rant on that for a little bit, and I've got four minutes before I need to, to lock this thing down. So I might just call that call that good. Nikhil Harry is another one, right? 6'2", 228. It, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a category that is very popular today. It's not every wide receiver, but it is becoming a very popular category to get these bigger type wide receivers, and the Packers are clearly on the forefront of that. They love big body guys, even including in the slot. And by the way, that's kind of where he thrives. Interestingly enough, if you look at 2018, I'm talking about Quincy Anunwa now. If I look at his PFF grades when he's not in the slot, 
um, 48, 63, 67, 48, 60, 63, 68. So his best game was a 68, so high average. His worst was a 48. Look at his four games in the slot. He had one game, and you know what? I'm not even going to include that game because he only played 15 snaps. So in the three games in which he played significant snaps in the slot, you know what his grades were? 76, 80, 78. He's pretty dominant in the slot. Let me let me explore this a bit because now I'm, I'm starting to get excited. I went from kind of meh to uh, pretty excited here. If I can verify that one more year. So he did play primarily in the slot in 2016. Not exactly the same result, although kind of similar. He did have two really good games when he played not in the slot. He had a game against New England where he graded out 83.2 and a game against Buffalo 73.3. But outside of that, 53, 61, 61, 50. In the slot, it was mostly just average, but that's kind of the point, right? 50, 60, and low 60. Look in the slot, 63, 52, 71, 63, 65, 68, 68, 71. And then he had one game that was 90. So I, I do think he generally is just better in the slot. I just, I think this could make a lot of sense, man. I really do. I mean, he's not, he's not an elite player, but we're not going to get an elite player. We can't even afford an elite player. But you get a guy that plays exceptionally well in the slot that Matt LaFleur would use more dynamically than the Jets ever have. Again, putting him in motion and things to that effect. He fits the mold. I just think it makes a lot of sense. I really, really do. And I would be shocked if, if Brian Gutekunst is not calling about Quincy Inunua. And as far as if he's so great, why did the Jets cut him? The Jets gave him a massive contract. I mean, you know, as far as a mediocre wide receiver goes, four years, $36 million, which he signed in 2019. So they just paid him a bunch of money. And then in 2019, he hardly played at all. I mean, he, he seems like he's got a bit of an injury history. Uh, again, 2019, he played a total of 65 snaps, all of which in, in week one. Um, in 2017, he didn't play. So it, it does seem to be maybe possibly an issue with him. And obviously the Jets were not willing to pay him. Man, a dead cap hit of $11.4 million. That's crazy. But he was 7.8 against the cap, 9.6 in 2021, 11.4 in 2022. He's not worth any of that. So it makes sense to kind of get rid of that money. I don't understand why you would take a hit that's larger than... Are you losing money on this? I don't understand what they're doing. But I, it, it just it just depends. I don't know. Maybe his, his market is bigger than I'm thinking. But, I mean, if we can get him for Funchess money, if you get him in the $1 or $2 million range, I don't see why you wouldn't. Especially since, again, he's primarily going to be a slot guy. He's a slot guy that you can put outside. He's interchangeable. And I, and I am still excited about EQ. Again, he's just a guy. It's not like you bring him in and he has to. Now, now EQ is definitely done. I just, I just think it makes perfect sense. I don't know. It's a short-term proposition. Again, he's 28 years old. He's got an injury history. He's not going to be expensive. The only reason that would that would be kind of a holdup is if he just refuses, because again, he just got a massive contract, $36 million um, over four years. So we're talking $9 bucks. Unfortunately for him, only 10 of it was guaranteed. So he got his $10 million and that's about it. But still, he got $10 million to play one game. So he may not be interested in, in offers of the $1 or $2 million range, but he's going to have to come to grips with that. So it may take a while for him to kind of come around to what his actual market is. And again, maybe there's some teams offering big money for Quincy Inunua. I don't know, but I, I, I just think he could be a great fit for Matt LaFleur. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he can get out of New York and get to a much better quarterback, a much better system, a much more stable environment. Got a chance for a Super Bowl ring this year. I don't know. It makes sense. But anyways, I got to cut it there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.